I drove back from Jackson, which was about 18 hours to my parents in New York. And it was completely fine until I hit the tri-state area. And I was so stressed. Welcome back to Drive With Us, a podcast where we bring on a new guest every episode to talk about the crazy things they experience on the road, who they are as drivers, and how they became the driver they are today. I'm Bafni. And I'm Taranji. And this is the last episode of season two. No, I'm kind of sad, but then at the same time, like, I can't wait for the next season. Yeah, it's it's super exciting that we made it to the end of season two. And we have even, I I was going to say greater, even greater. We have even greater because we can talk. <laughs> yes. We have even greater content for season three. Woo! <laughs> yeah. So this is the last episode of season two. So be sure to follow us on Instagram at Drive With Us Podcast for updates on season three. Yeah. Today's drivers are Shira and Ariel, who have been friends since 2015, since their first job after college and our hosts of the Counter Programming Podcast. Today, they shared with us their many road trip stories, like what happened on Ariel's drive from California to New York and driving over your neighbor's lawn. Welcome, Ariel and Shira. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to be here. So glad you reached out. Yes, thank you guys. I can't wait to hear your driving stories because I know Ariel was in LA and now you're in New York. So you probably have some crazy ones from there. And then on top of that, you guys worked in Mississippi, which you said you drove a lot. So the first question we love to ask all our guests is what is one of the most craziest or most memorable driving experiences you have had? So I think Shira and I can tag team this one. We have many stories within the larger experience of our first job after college. Yeah, so we worked for a nonprofit in Jackson, Mississippi. Shout out to the Institute of Southern Jewish Life. And part of our job was to travel to different Jewish communities across the South. And so we drove anywhere that was within eight hours of our home in Jackson. Wow, that's a lot. So it was a lot of driving. And we actually, when you reached out to us, we were like, did they see our blog post that we wrote in 2015? (laughs) Because we should send that to you. But basically, we wrote... We wrote a blog post called Driving Ourselves Crazy. And it was a breakdown of everything we did hour by hour to keep ourselves sane on eight-hour drives. So the podcast we listened to, the show tunes we belted out, um, that moment where you start feeling a little bit like agitated and crazy. The moment where you start talking to yourself, it's all there. Yes. (laughs) Oh, wow. I definitely need to read that now. Yeah, definitely. We will we'll send that to you after. It'll be a great supplemental material for the listeners to check out. But I think... Overall, you know, there were some times where we would drive more than eight hours a day if there was traffic or if um, there was some sort of unexpected weather event. So we really had experiences on these car rides, like major flooding in um, the New Orleans area and sometimes even in lower Louisiana in general. And it was pretty nuts. Like we we definitely have been through it all in terms of driving. Good experience for your first job. (laughs) 
My, I think my craziest memory is my drive from Jackson to Dallas in the middle of a snowstorm. That'll do it. I'm from New York and people in the South truly, no offense, do not know how to drive in the snow. And there were 17 accidents on the highway. Like that's what Google was telling me what the delay was. They were like, you're delayed because there are 17 accidents. (laughs) And there was, I remember someone in front of me. I guess they didn't know that you have to clear off the back of your your car with the snow so you can see out your back window. And I was just like, this this person's going, like, we're going to get in an accident. Isn't that, like, kind of obvious? <laughs> like, don't you want to right. be able to see? <laughs> that was right. Because it wasn't, I don't even think it was heavily snowing at that point. It had snowed. And I, I called the, the congregation I was going to visit. And I was like, I'm going to be late because I'm going to drive as carefully as I can and I'm very scared and I will get there when I get there. (laughs) That's crazy. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like in the South, it's like people are like, they see snow and they're like, what is this? (laughs) Foreign substance. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. But eight hours every... Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Like I know yeah. eight hours for like a vacation trip. It's like, okay, fine. Yeah, at least you're going somewhere. This time it was work on the other end. So it was hard. How far of a radius can you get from there in about like eight hours? That's a great question. My longest drive was from Jackson, Mississippi to Augusta, Georgia. So really the end of Georgia. And there was a time change. So really it was as if I was driving nine hours. It was nuts. Oh, wow. My longest, I think, was to Bentonville, Arkansas, which is the very top of Arkansas at the border of Missouri. And so that I think that was like seven and a half hours or so but that that most of our drives were closer to six hours I would say yeah on average the the second you go over six hours it really is exhausting because you also have to leave early like we would leave on a Friday and we drive all day Friday then we'd work Friday Saturday and Sunday morning and then we drive back Sunday and you'd get back to Jackson Sunday night and there is truly no tired like the tired of (laughs) I've just driven myself all over the south and talked to only myself in the car I bet oh my god I was going to ask if you guys took turns driving but it sounds like you made the trips yourself or you were the sole driver so I feel like in order to explain this fully so that listeners will understand we will have to give a more in-depth understanding of the company that we worked for and I feel like they should just sponsor it at this point (laughs) (laughs) Shira, would you like to give a little lowdown on the Institute of Southern Jewish Life? Yeah, so it's a wonderful organization that helps bring Jewish resources to uh, Southern Jewish communities of varying sizes and in in various parts of the South. So some of the Jewish communities are in large cities like Houston or Dallas, and some are in really small areas like Bentonville, Arkansas. And we visit as we were education fellows. And part of our job was to visit these communities three times a year. So during the summer, we traveled together. And then we traveled with other fellows. And we would hit we were these were very short visits, like more for them to meet us and for us to meet the community. And so we would try to fit like four different community visits into a week. So you would go, uh, you would go to Atlanta. And as a group, you'd visit like four different synagogues in Atlanta or in the Atlanta area. And then during the year, during the fall and the spring, you would travel to these communities by yourself and you would spend an extended weekend with just one community. Oh, okay. 
That makes a little more sense. That about sums it up. And I guess the overall point of the organization is that in larger, mostly northern Jewish communities, there's a lot of resources, a lot of Jews. And in the South, it tends to be that there was a big Jewish population at one point, and now that has dwindled. But there are still Jews there and older Jews who want their grandkids and kids to have access to Jewish resources. And that's why this exists. It was a cool first job. And definitely, I learned so much about driving. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure, especially with all those long drives. So has having to drive that long made you hate driving or love driving more? So I really hated driving. I pretty much did the bare minimum in high school. Like I got, I did the hours I needed to get my license. I got my license and then I went to college and pretty much did not drive for four years. And then somehow I decided that this was a good fit for me job wise and that I would figure out how to drive. And so I I got to Jackson and I leased to my first car and you like in Jackson, you have to drive everywhere. It's not a walkable city. And our office was on the other side of the highway from where we lived. So I got I definitely got more comfortable with driving. I will say now I live in Manhattan. So I really don't drive anymore. And that initial driving anxiety definitely comes back because I basically go on a long drive by myself like once a year now. And I'm so not it's not like I'm driving every day. And I feel like when you drive every day, you kind of get used to it. And it was a really cool way to see the South. So at the time, I think I like it made me like driving to a point like the six hour drive I could do. And once you went over that, I got very like antsy and tired. Yes. And for me, I drove after the fellowship ended for me in 2016, I drove to California. So Jackson to California. Then just about a week ago, I got back from a road trip where I drove from California to New York. So I I enjoy driving. I like to drive by myself because I really like to listen to podcasts and I like to overload podcast listening, like just too much to the point where like (laughs) I might not even remember what's real life and what's podcast, but that's fine with me. I would say, you know, I was driving this most recent road trip with my sister, which was good, but it was also, you know, you don't really get to do what you want in the car. Like you have to, you have to take somebody else into consideration, which is good and bad. (laughs) (laughs) Good practice for being a human, but you know. Yeah, no, it's it's good to consider other people, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, I, I would say overall, yes, I still have a good relationship with driving. I would much rather do a long drive than like, a, first of all, living in LA was just truly the worst type of driving. You know, you're going five miles and it literally can take an hour sometimes. And that is just such a miserable thought. So I would rather a long drive any day. Also, driving in the South is really wonderful because you go for long stretches where there's no traffic in the same way that there is in the Northeast or in LA. And so it's not the same stop start. Like it's not as frustrating an experience. Like you're really just on open roads for a long time. And that has its own cathartic practices, especially when it's light out. I feel like when it was dark out, that made me anxious. Like you don't see a streetlight for you know, a hundred miles and you don't see another car. I want to shout out Los Angeles from the month of March to early June for there being no traffic on the road. It was amazing. (laughs) It was like the biggest secret to drive during that time. It was unreal. I also want to shout out me in 2015 (laughs) when I decided... When I decided that I wanted to pee while driving. Oh my God. Because I really had to pee. 
And I thought now would be a fun time to try peeing while driving. And I hope this doesn't ruin any potential job prospects for me in the future. Just know that I'm a truth teller and I like to be honest, future employers. So yeah, one time wanted to try to pee while driving. I was driving alone. I was on I-20 somewhere between Anniston, Alabama and Birmingham, Alabama. Really had to pee, had an empty big cup and decided that I would put the car on cruise control and I successfully peed while driving. The only problem was that I then did not know what to do with the cup. I was the one who picked you up from dropping off your rental car that day. And you were so excited about that. And I was just like, yeah, okay. And you had to get in my car. I was like, just get in my car. I'm horrified by you. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I didn't like pee on myself. I was actually very good at it. <laughs> That's a story you want to tell everyone. That's a skill for your resume. <laughs> I'm genuinely proud of it. And what happened was that like, I got well, yes, I remember this too. I remember Shira picked me up and I was like, <laughs> and she was like, what? And I was like, ha, 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 I have to tell you something. And she was like, what? And I was like, I peed while driving. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Very ridiculous. Can't not tell that story on this podcast though. It's exclusive for you guys. Yes. So while you're driving across the country, how was that? Did you like experience anything crazy or like unexpected? Yes. So a few things. My sister and I left Los Angeles July 2nd and we made our way north the first day. We went to Berkeley. Then the next day we went east. We went to Lake Tahoe and somewhere between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe, we noticed that the car was losing gas extremely fast, like faster than normal. We were worried about it. We had no idea why this was happening. So we were like, okay, no big deal. We'll pull over whenever. So we're driving, but the the road is so windy and up and down. So every time we would push the gas in order to continue along the road with everybody else at the same pace, the gas would go down like way faster than it should have. And I have a little reader on my car that says how many miles till empty. So we were at something like 20 miles till empty. And the nearest town was 22 miles away. And we didn't even know that the town would have gas. So we were, you know, we were just kind of like resigning ourselves to the fact that this early in the trip, we would have to call AAA and be like, can you just take us to the nearest gas station? We messed up. So we were just ready for that. But somehow the car stuck with us and we we made it to a gas station with three miles to go. And we were like, we're never going to let this happen again. So from then on, we were very, very careful with our gas consumption. And we filled up pretty much every time we saw a gas station to the point where we were filling up when we had like 98% of a full gas tank. Wow. It was ridiculous. But at the same time, a light went on in my car that told me that I needed to get service immediately. And that light, we took it to a few Ford dealerships along the way. And they just kept telling us, oh, you're fine. It, it, you might get stranded in the middle of nowhere. But if you continue, like you're <laughs> fine. And we were like, we're going to take those odds and just keep going. And so we finally got it fixed in Minnesota. So like 2000 miles later. But when we were on our way to Minnesota, between South Dakota and Minnesota, we were driving on a two-lane road and a car opposite us passed us. And the second it passed us, a rock flew into our windshield and shattered the oh windshield. Oh my gosh. It was terrifying. We pulled over and there was nothing to do. There was There were no windshield repair. It was Sunday afternoon. Nobody was open. But even if they were, there were no places for hundreds of miles. And that's what made me think there needs to be some sort of Uber, but for car repair. Because like, if the windshield, we could drive on it, 
thankfully. But if not, we would have been stuck in some town where there were no hotels. And I genuinely don't know what we would have done. I kind of had a similar, well, sort of similar experience. My car was broken into in a parking lot when I was visiting my a friend in Austin and they shattered my whole passenger seat window. And so I couldn't have driven back to Jackson because I'm not driving eight hours on a highway with like, you know, that terrible feeling in your ears if your window is open. Yeah. And also glass just like everywhere in my car. And I called so many places and they were like, well, we could potentially come tomorrow to fix it. Like I didn't find it until like 11 p.m. the night before I was supposed to leave. And then we finally found a place that could service the car, but it was like a 20 minute driveway. So my friend just sat in the back seat screaming directions at me as we're driving on the highway with a seat full of glass. And (laughs) because we needed like a professional vacuum to clean it up so we didn't cut ourselves and just like the terrible drumming on your ears from the window. Very scary. So I'll support your Uber-like venture. We need Uber for broken cars. We do. And you heard it here first, people. We need (laughs) it. (laughs) Exactly. They now have like tires, fix your tires on wheels. I think Goodyear has it. So they should make that for like all types of car repairs where it's on wheels. I'll be honest, as a woman, I know that I should have learned a few more car safety skills Along the way, I don't know how to change a tire. And I didn't learn how to what the safety protocol is when your car gets broken into and all that kind of stuff. But I just think we have technology for so many other things. We should have technology for this. There should be somebody willing to drive up to my car and fix it right then and there with a bunch of different glass panes in the back to replace my windshield. I just think it's possible. <laughs> I agree. Definitely think it's possible. Hey, uh, maybe someone will hear this and be like, all right, we're going to invent it. And then you can get credit. <laughs> That's right. I can only imagine how much gas you bought on this whole trip across the country from constantly just filling up. I do not want to know. I'm not interested in doing that math right now (laughs) or ever. I I don't want to know how much I spent. (laughs) I actually, I drove back from Jackson, which was about 18 hours to my parents in New York. And I did it over three days, so not nearly as long as Ariel's cross-country trip. And it was completely fine until I hit the tri-state area. And I didn't have an easy pass because I forgot about tolls because there's like no tolls in Mississippi. And I got so turned around on the GW Bridge and I ended up driving in circles and ended up back in New Jersey. And I was so stressed. It was truly one of the most traumatic driving experiences. And just when you're almost at the end of it, that's so sad. Yeah, the first like two and a half days of driving were completely fine because it was driving in less populated areas. Even like, I guess I, I was kind of near Baltimore and DC, so slightly more populated, but still fine. I'm telling you, once you, once I got to New York, traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. So all these places that you have been, our next question is there's typically stereotypes are associated with drivers in different areas. Were there any particular ones that you've noticed in the places that you've been, like New York or LA or anywhere that you've driven through? Yes. People in the South don't know how to handle winter weather. And I can back that up because One time I was in Atlanta, I was driving through Atlanta and there was an ice storm and people could not move. And it was really dangerous. Like I was parked, I think for like two hours on one stretch of highway, just waiting there for whatever emergency crews were putting salt down on the road. But for some reason they didn't have an emergency protocol, even though global warming is in full force and there's extreme weather events. Okay, that's my (laughs) rant. I definitely second that. I think 
Well, New Yorkers are notoriously more aggressive drivers, which is why I don't think I really taught myself to drive in Mississippi, not in New York. And so I am a Mississippi driver. And I was very glad I still had my Mississippi license plate when I first drove back into New York, because I feel like people were slightly more compassionate towards me, even though they were still annoyed. They were like, okay, this person's from out of town. She doesn't know what she's doing. Let her in. It's fine. And I was just like, thank you. Please help me. I'm so scared. I'm in New Jersey and I don't want to be in New Jersey. (laughs) So what was your most favorite state to drive through and what was your least favorite state to drive through? Ooh, I would say I think the interesting thing about driving through the country is that every state has something different from the one before it or after it. And I think that's the beauty of it. And I also think coronavirus, because literally Americans are not allowed to leave this country, gives us the opportunity to explore explore some of the beauty within this country. So I I wouldn't say I liked one state over another, but I will say that some cities in some states have terrible roads to drive on. And one of those states and cities is Jackson, Mississippi. I, I had to replace my tires so many times because of potholes. And that was not pleasant. But at the same time in Los Angeles, two months ago, I also had to replace my tire because I drove over like six nails in a parking lot (laughs) and my tire just inflated. Well, Jackson, part of the reason the roads are so bad is they're built on, I hope I get this right because I I do love Mississippi. It's built on Yazoo clay, which cracks really easily. And then when it cracks, they just like put more Yazoo clay on the road, which then also cracks. So the potholes are just wild. The ground was just constantly breaking down. Yes. Everywhere. I surprisingly, though, did not get... I don't think I popped... I had a flat tire while I lived there, but I I loved my car. Honestly, it was probably my fault. I'm learning this about myself. (laughs) I, I will say driving through the upper half of Arkansas is one of the most beautiful... Northwest Arkansas is absolutely beautiful. Oh, it's a treasure. And I... Right. Like that was some of it is that I didn't know how beautiful it was going to be. And so it was a truly like breathtaking experience the first time I drove through. I guess that's technically you're driving through the Ozarks. Yeah, I think so. And it's it's just really beautiful. I don't know if I have a least favorite place to drive through, but I think, was it I-20, Ariel, that goes through Louisiana? Uh, it does in some parts, yeah, and I-10. Right. So I-20 in Louisiana, Louisiana has some very beautiful parts. The part that I usually drove on to get from Jackson to Dallas was very bare. That would be I-20. By the way, ladies, I love uh, the interstate system. So you picked a great guess. (laughs) (laughs) If she she does say so herself. (laughs) Yes, I am a great guest. (laughs) But that, it just wasn't a particularly beautiful stretch. Nothing against Louisiana. It was just very bare. And I'll say my favorite drive that we did was between you know there's some ri- there's some drives where you're just going straight at 80 miles an hour we were in montana for miles and miles and miles and the speed limit is 80 so you can like you know you can get a- get away with going 86 approximately so we had a good time driving there but it gets boring after a while. So I'd rather a road that goes up and down and through some tunnels and all that kind of stuff. The drive from Pittsburgh to New York is actually really exciting because the road kind of gets smaller 
the lanes get tinier, so you have to pay attention more. And you cannot doze off or think about something else because you will veer into the other person's lane. And that, that is ill-advised. Just a disclaimer, you should never doze off while driving. Just in general. <laughs> Thank you, Shira. I just, I in case people are listening to this while driving, please don't doze off. Yes. Also, don't text and drive. Don't. Do you have to give these um, disclaimers when you put out this podcast? <laughs> we might have to on this one. I think we do now. <laughs> Look, I'll say I don't advocate for texting and driving. I did have a driving partner, so she would change the podcast when the when the one we were listening to was done. She would respond to my work emails if necessary, my sister. But, you know, every once in a while, you might pick up the phone to turn up the volume or turn down the volume. And I would say if you're driving from Pittsburgh to Westchester, New York, don't do that. And also never do that. But also you go through such cool tunnels. So I would say that's my favorite stretch that I remember of recent times. What I've learned from this is not get in a car with Ariel because she causes <laughs> flat tires. <laughs> yeah, truly. And other other road issues. So just avoid it, I guess. I guess you're just a magnet for those things. I think so. I think it, honestly, what I'm learning about myself, my character flaw is that I don't read very carefully until something has happened to me. And then I'm like, oh, I see why this <laughs> happened. So we've kind of got an idea of what kind of drivers you are. Would your family and friends describe you in the same way? I think my family would still describe me as an anxious driver. I like to think that I actually believe I'm a worse driver than other people think I am. But everyone would agree that I'm an anxious driver. Yeah, yeah. I know you as an anxious driver. <laughs> like, I sit fully upright and, like, two hands on the wheel, like, th as if there is a pole going through my back. Like, I am fully erect. <laughs> and let's quote that out of context. Shira is fully erect. <laughs> I think I'm a better driver than I am. I'll admit that. A confident driver, shall we say. Like, for example, I, I always want to drive my car. I always want to be the one driving because I like control. But then... I can't tell you how many times I went on a the wrong way on a one-way street during this last road trip, like at least seven times. And one time I fully was looking, I was not distracted at all. And I almost went through a red light, like had to oh slam on the brakes at the last second. It made no sense. It didn't, I don't know where it came from. So anyway, I, I think I'm a good driver, but I'm pretty sure if you ask most people who drive with me, they'd be like, she is a dangerous driver and I feel uncomfortable with her in the car. <laughs> <laughs> you truly do need to read the signs. <laughs> I do. So then let me ask you this. Have you ever been a passenger in a car where you were like, oh, man, I wish I'd never gotten in? All the time. <laughs> and that's why I think I'm a good driver. Well, I've been a passenger in Ariel's car before, so I'll let you guys decide. <laughs> <laughs> I one time remember being in a car with somebody who I like to give space between if I'm on a highway and if it's like a relatively crowded highway, but you're still moving. I like to give space between me and the person in front of me, like at least 10 car distances if possible possible. But I was in a car with somebody who was giving like two car distances between and had to stop short every single time that they that the person in front of them put their brake lights on. And I was like, there's an easy solution here. Just slow down back up. My stomach was clenching every single time because I was like, we're just going to hit this car. It is an, an inevitability, but they didn't. I actually am a I'm a bad passenger as well. Like for someone who doesn't prefer to drive, like I'm fine with someone else driving and me being a passenger, except that if I don't feel like you're stopping on time, like I 
I'm putting my foot on the brake of the passenger side, like theoretically, and like I'm holding on to the side. I'm like taking a deep breath out, like a deep exhale. I'm not great with cars, I would say. (laughs) See, I love driving, but... I do the same exact thing if I'm the passenger and like Tarantino's driving. She tends to drive a little bit closer to cars in front of her than I do. And every time I'm just like, oh my God, please stop. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like pushing the brake too. So with all the crazy drivers that are out there, do you find yourself being someone who tends to honk at other people? I'm not a honker unless somebody does not move at a red when the light turns green. And then I wait two seconds to see, maybe give them the benefit of the doubt. And then if they're still not moving, then I'm like, let me give them a little honk. That is clear. That's a honker, I would say. Really? You're you're honking at red lights? That's an absolute honker. No, not red lights. When it turns green. Yes, that's a honker. Really? I would honestly wait for the light to turn red again before I honked, I think. <laughs> what? No, you wouldn't. No, I probably wouldn't. I'm not quite that patient, but I, I'm a very timid honker. I think it's because I learned to drive in Mississippi. I have that Southern hospitality in my driving. Well, I'm not, I'm not an angry driver. Like I, I've been in a car with people who, when, when somebody cuts them off, even if it's like not a cutoff at all, they'll be like, what the heck? That was unacceptable. That person should not be on the road. And I'm like, let's all relax here. They didn't mean to. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They might be having a bad day. Yeah. Since you just mentioned a little bit of road rage, have you ever had a situation where you had someone who had extreme road rage towards you or you had road rage towards them? I have occasionally gotten very frustrated in my car when someone does something that is truly unsafe. Like not when they cut me off, but when they're going like 30 miles per hour faster than they're supposed to be and they're speeding and you just like know something bad is going to happen even though you haven't seen it yet. Like you know that's not what they're supposed to be doing. That makes me really angry. But again, it's like anger in my car and I'm not going to do anything about it. I have had people flip me off in very mean ways. (laughs) Or I'll do something that is not a good driving move you know, cut somebody off without realizing and then you have to be at the red light next to them. And I'll purposely look straight ahead and try to not make eye contact with them so that they don't get to be mean to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, I can't see you. You're not mad. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to (laughs) look. So what would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve? No blinker is too easy, but I don't like when people don't use their blinker. It's just so easy to do. No blinker is up there for me because why didn't you turn your blinker on? Like, why are There's you no reason? Than, right. Like, that's why I know it's an easy one, but I agree. It's just like you didn't have anything better to do and it just would have made everyone's life easier. It's all you have to do is hit the thing. You're in the car. This is your responsibility. A driving pet peeve that I have, it's more when I'm in the car with somebody else and either they're driving or I'm driving. So we're listening to the radio or a podcast and I turn up the volume and I turn it to a number that is, I just turn it up like based on how much louder or quieter I want it to be. And the person that I'm in the car with, my sister was doing this a lot, would turn it to an even number. I don't care. Why does that matter? That's a pet peeve of mine. Mine is also about music. It's when I can hear music from another car. That is, I find that disrespectful. Like we're all in our own little pod and you can do whatever you want in your pod. 
but you have to be mindful of other people. I'm like, I can't hear my podcast when you're blasting music and that's not fair. I don't want to hear the bass of another car from 10 cars away. Ooh, I have another one related to music when songs have sirens in them. That should be, I think it should be illegal. Okay, (laughs) I agree. Right, like my heart skips a beat. Like I get so scared. I don't know where the sirens are coming from. I'm never 100% sure if it's in the song or not. And I don't want to do the wrong thing. And I'm terrified that something is coming behind me. It just should be illegal. With you on that. That and like when you see police or cars that look like police cars and you're like is it is it not (laughs) terrifying so the blinkers point i feel like that's a big pet peeve we've heard from a lot of people and it's just so simple it's like the car has this feature built in to notify others of where you're going (laughs) you can use it to help you be a safer driver that's it that's all we're asking it's especially frustrating when you're waiting let's say to make a left turn and they don't sig like someone is coming straight, but they don't signal that they're about to make a right. So you could have gone, you like you wouldn't have even run into each other, but they didn't have the courtesy to signal. So now you have to wait and look again to see who's coming and what's happening. But then it's also scary when like people leave their blanker on and then you're like, <laughs> yes. I don't know if you actually are turning or can I go or do you even keep going straight? Yeah, no, that's a fair point. When you're mentioning the even numbers, it just reminded me of Bob Neat because hey. she literally <laughs> has this. Th- I don't know why she needs things to be even or like, I don't know. I don't get it. Oh, you do that too? I have never heard that before. <laughs> I do. So when I turn the volume up or down, I don't know why. It's just like I click twice. So funny. I've never heard that before. It's so interesting that now we have two examples. Yeah. So I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Now that we heard what you are as a driver, let's go back to your driving first and how it all began. How would you describe your very first driving experience and who was it with? Oh, God. So I'll, I'll dive into this one. I think it was just me and my dad in the car and it didn't make sense to me driving. I, that sounds really ridiculous. And I know for so many people, it is something that is intuitive. It really wasn't for me. Like I had trouble figuring out which way to turn the wheel to get the car to go the way I wanted. I honestly thought that you put both feet on the pedals like the whole time. I didn't know you had one on the ground, which also makes no sense. It makes no sense. What are you supposed to do with that other foot? Like it was confusing. And so I it's so funny because I'm I'm staying with my parents right now. And so I run by this other house every day. And my dad and I drove around our cul-de-sac, then we drove down our block and we turned onto another street and then we were turning onto like a main road. Not like a crazy busy road, but definitely a a main road from our neighborhood roads. And I just like made the turn to I didn't stop turning and I drove over these people's lawn and you can see and they have like four rocks kind of lining their their grass and I one of the rocks got like pushed in because a car drove over it and so my dad I was like mortified and just sat in the car and then my dad went to the house and was like I'm so sorry my daughter's learning to drive and now every day I run by that house and I see one of the rocks is I don't know if the same people live there but one of the rocks is still not exactly where it was supposed to be oh my god (laughs) I wonder if they remember who you are if it's the same people (laughs) I do get nervous like I've seen I saw someone outside once and I like kind of I went to the other side of the street I'm sure they don't remember because I didn't even go into the house or like up to their door, but I don't even want to risk it. (laughs) (laughs) My first time driving experience was with my mom in the front seat with me. She is extremely nervous 
when anybody else drives. And my sister was in the back seat. She was a little kid, so she was just having fun. And it was a lot of me not understanding how hard to push the gas in order to make the car move and then not understanding how sensitive the the brake was. So a lot of short stops. Yeah, that was my first experience. But I did take the driving test. Do you want to guess how many times? Is it a lot? <laughs> like the way? Three. three. Three is the answer. And I had to go to a different county to get it done. So I, this is actually a very ironic point, I would say. I only took the driving test once and I passed, but I took the permit test three times. Wow. I've never, I really like, I didn't share that fact until maybe a year ago because I was so mortified, but now the whole world will know. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you passed. That's all that matters, right? (laughs) Exactly. And I passed the driving test on the first try and I feel like that's harder. Yes, definitely. I think it's (laughs) So speaking of driving tests, how was your first driving test experience? So we know that you passed on the first try and then Ariel, you had to take it a couple of times, but how how was the actual experience? So I scheduled my first driving test at the same DMV that my dad took his driving test because I thought it would be a nice father-daughter moment, but it was not. I got in the car and was just so nervous. I was not confident at all during this time. I have since gained a lot of confidence, as you know, from me calling myself a good guest. But at the time, I was so nervous about like everything that I did, including this test. And I got in the car and I think the guy could smell it on me. Actually, it was a woman. Yeah, it was definitely a woman. She could smell it on me that I was just so nervous. And I couldn't, mostly where I got points off was parallel parking and nervousness around stopping. And then do you let another car go? That kind of thing. Just a lot of not being sure of the next move. So when I was obviously not given my passing grade, I cried so much, went to my grandma's house. We were having dinner there. And she was like, grow up, people fail. (laughs) And I was like, okay, thank you. (laughs) Yes, grandma with the wisdom. (laughs) What a nice talk. (laughs) Yep. I, oh, let me start at the beginning. So I go to get my permit and driving is, I find the whole concept of driving is really stressful to me. So I'm getting my permit and I psych myself out, fail the test three times, blah, blah, blah. Finally, I pass it. It's like, that's not even funny to tell. Like everyone fails their driving test, but no one fails their permit test. So it's, this is like a dark secret that I'm harboring at this point. So I pass, I have to take driver's ed And thankfully, I got put in a driver's ed car with two of my friends, but the driver's ed instructor, and honestly, in his defense, rightfully so, hated me because I couldn't drive. And like, I don't even think I ever achieved the level where you were allowed to go on the highway. Like my friend, Ben. I didn't either. He was allowed to drive us on the highway. And then we get to a small neighborhood and it would be like me in the car and Rick, the driver's ed instructor, just being like, just, you know, drive, like (laughs) do what you're supposed to do. I will say he did let us stop at Carvel to get ice cream. That's so nice. Yeah, I think he wanted a smoke break, but I still got ice cream. So that's okay. So I finished driver's ed and I'm absolutely not ready to get a license. And I'm very scared about getting it. So my parents hire and I never want to be a parent who has to teach my kids to drive. Like, I don't think I have the emotional capacity to do that. (laughs) And so my parents, because it was just not working with them teaching me to drive, they hired like a private driving tutor to prep me for the test. And so at this point now, I'm about to graduate high school. And I know that if I don't get my license before I leave for college, I will never get a license or it will like, it'll just take me forever. 
So I went on the day of my prom, which was the day before my graduation ceremony, a crazy thing that my high school did. And I miraculously passed, losing only a few points for not checking in all directions when I was making my three-point turn. Wow. (laughs) So did you have to do parallel parking? I did okay on the parallel parking because that is what my private tutor focused heavily on (laughs) because I couldn't do it. (laughs) Wow. He was he was very nice, man. Your driver's ed instructor kind of well, your stop let you stop for ice cream. Mine zoned out and then forgot to tell me where to turn. So we just like almost missed our turn. (laughs) Driver's ed is something that I almost forgot about until you just mentioned it, Shira. It was such a so for us, I went to a Jewish school for from kindergarten through twelfth grade. And the one opportunity that we Jewish kids at Solomon Schechter had to interact with the school literally across the street from us was that we took driver's ed with them and it was Maria Regina. It was an all girls Catholic school. So it was like this rite of passage when you're in eleventh grade and can go take driver's ed at Maria Regina. <laughs> and so like we would get put in cars with a combo of Maria Regina girls and our own class classmates and i remember my my car being just filled with nervous people and our our teacher uh mr kavelovich he also fell asleep during driver's ed and even in the car except when i was driving and that's when he would use the brake a lot his brake you know how they have their own brake yeah yeah so that was fun right like i under i just don't think i could teach my kid to i don't have kids but I don't think I'll be able to teach my kids to drive, especially not being able to have that break. But then again, I'm also like, if I had that break, I would use it too much. And then you wouldn't even let them drive. <laughs> exactly. We would just be like, stop, start, stop, start. Why isn't the car moving? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> You're just not a very good driver, I guess, honey. <laughs> honey. <laughs> I didn't know that for a driver's ed, like here for our driver's ed, we only went ourselves and the driver's instructor. I didn't know you went with other people in the car. Oh, yeah. We had like a full car filled with nervous and sweaty 16-year-olds. There were four of us in my car and we would, I think it was like, I want to say it was a two-hour window once or twice per week and everyone got like about a half hour of driving. Oh, wow. We had to do two. Honestly, it's probably better. You were supposed to practice for X amount. You need X amount of hours outside of the car of driver's ed to practice with your parents, which was, I'm sure, traumatizing for mine. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like we had to do two hours, six, and six hours, six hours, but two hour increments with a driving instructor. Wow. Just you and the driver. That's a lot. I think that'd be scarier. Also to be alone with scary men. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be scary with a lot of people just in the car like, oh, wow, you suck at driving <laughs> true yeah well it the nice thing about it was that the half hour while you were driving was very stressful but then you had an hour and a half to just like hang out in the car with your friends and like they strategic not that they, they didn't strategically do the cars but you kind of signed up in groups with your friends and so it was sort of done at random but like you you knew you were going to be with some of your people i was not i was with the boy that i had my first make out with <laughs> that must have been awkward <laughs> It was terrible. And he was really smart and good at driving. And I was not. So I hated that. <laughs> but now you're great. So now I am a great guest on this podcast. I am not necessarily a great driver. <laughs> but a confident driver. That's right. Well, Ariel, if it makes you feel any better, you're not the only one who had to take the driver's test multiple times. I had the same problem Yay. with the parallel parking. Too. And she also had to go to a different DMV. <laughs> 
Are you only allowed to take it? You're only allowed to take it a certain amount of times at a DMV. Is that the rule? I think you have to wait a certain number of like weeks or a month between, but you can still go back to the same one. At least here. I don't know about there. Same here. It's just the one we went to is notoriously like harder. And she kept getting like the one person they said don't get. <laughs> so I was only able to pass when I had a man that I like kind of be like stupid cute with you know what i mean <laughs> which is terrible and sexist but what a comment on society <laughs> yeah um, the lady i got she first was gonna take points off because she couldn't fit in the seatbelt. what that's not her <laughs> that's not you and she's yeah. like you need a you need a seatbelt extender next time you come and i was like what uh, i don't think so <laughs> oh you do it in your yeah you do it in your car i forgot about that yeah and then she failed me for my parallel parking because the flag blew in the wind and touched the car that is not fair <laughs> yeah the system is messed up that was my parallel parking but a lot of driver's tests are removing parallel parking as a requirement i don't know if they removed it up where you guys are do you think that this should be still a requirement on the test no Oh, not on the test. I feel like even after I took the test, I avoided parallel parking for just years until I felt comfortable with it. So I feel like it's something you can learn on your own. I don't know. I feel, well, yeah, I guess I don't really parallel park that much. So not super helpful. I don't, maybe it shouldn't be worth as many points. Because I think if you failed parallel, if you like lost all the points on parallel parking, you wouldn't pass the driving test. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It brought the score down so much. So maybe make it less points. That was the first thing we had to do. So if you failed parallel parking, you didn't even get to do anything else. Oh, that's crazy. I feel like I did. I feel like that was towards the end. And so I was like so nervous waiting for it. And then I kept waiting for her to be like, and you failed. So thank you. Thanks for your time. <laughs> I was I was floored when I passed. My driving instructor, like I was parallel parking and I was going to keep like adjusting. And she was like, stop right there. And then she opened it. And she's like, you're good. You're good. Stop moving. <laughs> you're good. I do not want to be in this car anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what a scary job. Yeah, it must be so scary. I have too much anxiety for that. <laughs> Bonus question time. Ooh, Are you guys ready? Yeah. The surprise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you could make one new driving law, what would it be? Ooh, that's a really good question. I have so many directions I feel like I could go in. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want. I would like to see an implementation of the European light laws. Have you seen this? Basically, in a lot of different European countries, you know how for us it goes green light, orange, red. In Iceland, for example, after it's red, it'll turn orange again before it turns green so that it, you can get ready to get started. You have a warning before the, the light turns green so that you're like, okay, it's time for me to start moving the car. And I really like that. So I would like to see that. I feel like people like look at like here, it's like, or I do this too, but like I look at the other side's light and I'm like, oh, they're turning red. Me too. So that's my signal. But now they started making these weird lights where you can't really tell what color it is until you get like right on it. Oh, I've seen like, that too. Oh, yeah. This isn't so much a, a law, but I think that any... Anywhere that you can't turn on red should, including a, a full city that has that rule or a full state like Hawaii. Oh my God. Good call. Better signage. It should just be like attached to the light. It should say like no turn. Like sometimes you have to look for it. Yeah. New York City, apparently in the entire city, all five boroughs, you cannot turn right on red. But if you're coming in from Westchester or Long Island where you can, sometimes the line where Long Island turns into Queens or Westchester turns into 
into the Bronx, how do you know? Well, and also when you've been turning on red, like I don't drive in the city that often, it's sometimes you forget. And so it should just be required to be made abundantly clear. I know there are signs now, but I am the kind of person who, this is an example of being an anxious driver. I assume that every red light, I can't turn on red and I wait until someone honks at me, basically. Me too, me too. I'm a terrible driver. That's the permission. (laughs) And then I'm like, well, if that guy says I can, I guess I can. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. Or if I I wait until I see someone else turn on red, yes. then I'm like, okay, it's good. <laughs> Absolutely. So I feel like I need better signage there. Oh, I would like it to be easier to obtain vanity plates. <laughs> <laughs> And to design your own uh, license plate. This is not a rule that I want or anything, but I think that there should be some sort of organization that honors beautiful license plates because there are really beautiful license plates in this country. Ariel actually has a collection of license plates. Yes, I collect license plates. You really found the perfect guest, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> if she does say so herself. Jackpot. Man. So yeah, I, I just think New York has a new license plate. Shira, have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. It's gorgeous. Just it, the thing is, it kind of looks like New Jersey from afar. So you have to get a little closer. But it is beautiful and understated. And I just think that there should be awards for license plates. Well, why don't you tell them what your favorite license plate is, Ariel? My favorite license plate is the blue, the turquoise, technically, New Mexico license plate. It is gorgeous. Oh, yes. It has a yellow accent. I I would tattoo it on my body. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's how much One you One time, love it. Ariel and I were driving in LA, or maybe we had just parked to go on a hike, and I was visiting her, and you saw a New Mexico license plate and just really lost it like that was towards the beginning of your obsession and I guess you hadn't seen one in person in a while and I was worried that you were gonna steal it from that person's (laughs) car so that that was my reaction at the beginning now every time I see a blue New Mexico I just go I just give it a kiss from afar (laughs) you walk right up to the car and kiss the license no I just like I sit in my car and I'm like oh memories and (laughs) I know what license plate you're talking about those are definitely I think one of the best ones gorgeous yes it is really pretty do you guys have any final thoughts or any tips you want to give other drivers so this is a tip that most people probably know but I do not know (laughs) I did not know when you are pulled over you're supposed to pull over on the right side I one time accidentally the only time I've been pulled over let me actually rephrase that The only time I've ever been pulled over, I pulled over to the left side of the road and the officer was like, it was for speeding by accident. The officer was like, what were you thinking? Like what is like (laughs) on a road in the middle of nowhere? But even on a one-way road, you're supposed to pull over to the right. Yeah. My only one and only speeding ticket, knock on wood. <laughs> that, that's really interesting that you thought to go to the left. <laughs> I was so stressed when I realized I was being pulled over that I honestly, I think I just like blacked out and didn't know what to do. And the next thing I knew, I had pulled over to the left side of the road and the officer was like, he was very nice. He did still give me a ticket because he was probably just like, this girl is <laughs> not <ticket>. okay. <laughs> what is she doing driving here? So word to the wise, always pull over to the right. (laughs) My advice to drivers is, I think it's a skill to learn how to drive more than four hours in one sitting. And um, the biggest, I I would say, I almost think it should be on my resume that I can drive that much without stopping. I would say advice, if you are looking to up your stamina for driving, podcast. 
So that's my advice. Just listen to podcasts. Find podcasts to listen to. You could check out the podcast that you're listening to. They have a great archive <laughs> to check out, as well as so many others. And that has really helped me up my stamina for driving. And every time I make a long drive, like I made it from um, the Har- Harrisburg, which is the capital of Pennsylvania, to Westchester, it was just three and a half hours, nothing crazy. But it did feel like a real accomplishment to do in one shot. And that's a fun, that's a fun thing to do. So podcasts. Another good recommendation, if you ever feel tired while driving, blast show tunes or something that you can belt out to and just sing your little heart out. But tire driving is distracted driving. So pull over if you need to. Take a nap once you've pulled over. (laughs) You guys are full of tips. (laughs) You mentioned having a driving resume. I feel like your driving resume would be so filled and so interesting. Thank you. You should create that, Ariel. I really should. I really should. Thank you. So speaking of your podcast, where can listeners find you? Listeners can find our podcast, which is Counter Programming with Shira and Ariel. You can find us on Instagram. We're at Counter Programming Pod. And that's really the only social media we have. But you can check us out anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Well, thank you both for coming on. You guys have some crazy stories. And now I know never to get in the car with you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Yay! Yay! I would not recommend it with either of us for different reasons <laughs> thank you so much for coming on of course thanks for having us thank you for having us it was super fun listening to ariel's stories of driving i was just like i don't know what to say i'm speechless but her first describing how she really always wanted to pee while driving why was that a bucket list item yeah like your bucket list is honking yeah but that's not as weird as i want to i can't believe that she really wanted to do this and then she did it yeah uh all right next story why is that a thing like i feel like i would just be like okay i'm gonna pull over somewhere and go to like a rest stop She's like, nah, I'm not stopping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what to say to that. But driving cross country <laughs> and the fact that they had to drive so much every day for their job, like eight hours around the south. Yeah. Do you think that would make you start hating driving? I don't know. I mean, like, I guess that long by yourself is not fun. If you're with someone, yeah. it might be more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, but her drive across from California to... I was about to say California to LA. Like, that's across the Oh, wow. <laughs> from California to New York. And how her car... Like, I think this is, this is not the first time we heard a car having an issue with, like, the gas and brake pedal. Like, when she would hit the acceleration, her gas gauge would go down. That's so Like, scary. guzzle gas. I want to know if, like, she was actually losing that much gas or her gas gauge just wasn't reading right and was just, like, reciprocating. Like, oh, yeah. you hit the gas pedal this much? That's how much I'm going to go down on the gauge. That's you know? really weird. Like, you would have the worst gas mileage. Yeah, so her having to literally fill up. Imagine how many times she had to stop on her drive across the country. Yeah, and it was like not like a short little day trip. It was a cross-country trip. And then to add on top of that, her check light came on and the mechanic was like, oh, the worst thing that can happen is you'll get stuck somewhere. Like, no, Oh, why, thank you. That was the exact worst thing I didn't want to happen. But like, thanks for pointing out the obvious. like (laughs) (laughs) Captain obvious. And then a car drove by and then broke her windshield. (laughs) 
Yeah. What? I've had so many things pelted. It's like, what? A rock just broke your windshield? Now I'm like more terrified if like one always, thing hits it wrong. Yeah. I always thought like, okay, the windshields are made strong enough where yeah. it shouldn't easily crack. That just terrified me because it's like I get pelted by little rocks and things and bugs. You are the worst person to tell a story to because you worry about every little thing. And now that this idea is in your head, you're going to constantly think of it. Why are you telling me how I'm feeling? Because I know you. <laughs> That's not really how I'm feeling, but thank you. <laughs> For so telling me how I must feel. That's how, that's you. I know who you are. Oh, I wasn't actually worried about it, but thanks. Oh, sorry. Well, now I put the worry in your mind. Yeah. I thought you would have because that's how you are. You worry about everything. Thank and you. And then you make me worried when I wasn't even thinking about it. Thank you. <laughs> it's a compliment, apparently. But Shira, on the other hand, her sharing her story of driving over her neighbor's lawn when she was first learning to drive. Oh, my God. I can't imagine if I w- if we were in the car with our dad and we did something like that, like, it would not have ended as pretty. Like, I feel like he, he would, would not have gone up there to be like, oh, we're so sorry. No, not that. First of all, I feel like he would have sent us. And second of all, he would have been so mad and be like, get out. Like, I'm driving back. <laughs> He wouldn't have even been like, go say sorry, like, get, go. <laughs> I don't know. And he's like, get out. Get out of the driver's seat now. Yeah. <laughs> You're not driving anymore. That's what would have happened. I feel like that didn't came out. Wow, I can't talk. That what, didn't what, came what, out. What, 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 <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs> no. Last but, you're you're just so upset that this is the last episode of the season. I know. You haven't had any instance of when you were first learning to drive that was like like that, intense like that, right? Uh, I don't think so because I didn't really get to drive. Oh, wait. I remember your instance. What? <laughs> I remember something you did that freaked us out. Well, we were pulling into a parking lot. I think it was in Walmart. You were such a fast turner that we we're like, oh my God, you're going to go right into whatever was there. Okay. Also, you guys, like, I feel like this is a thing, like, when anyone's a new driver, everyone just over exaggerates every little thing. Like, oh no. my God, oh my God, oh my God. Okay, but you seriously are a fast turner, so... Uh, no, no, I'm not. That was in the beginning. I fixed it, but yet still every time I turn, you're just, like, automatically, like, oh, my gosh, she's a fast turner. You ah! do? Okay, I, I don't know if it's just your seats are slippery then or what. It's <laughs> just like your butt just slips off. <laughs> because every time when you, we feel like you're making fast turns, I literally slide, and I'm like, whoa. Okay, I don't even turn that fast anymore. Uh I consciously made an effort to make it like to turn better because I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, that was fast. So I don't do that. (laughs) I try to improve myself. As we're arguing on the podcast. which is like, Yes. Last episode. We got to argue somewhere. And be sure to follow our Instagram page where we will keep you updated on when season three releases. And you can follow us for extra content off the road until season three releases. Thanks for driving with us. Love this episode of Drive With Us? Leave us a review on iTunes or Podchaser and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Drive With Us.